you can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal or measure them all by box office appeal but for once in your life be real welcome one and all to a new episode of be real i'm chance solon pfeiffer and i could not be any more excited today have a couple of guests on the show two truly distinct unmistakable character actors in Wes Studi and Dale Dickey who star in the new country romance film A Love Song I don't want to be the guy who cribs lines from his own letterbox reviews but I will put it this way positioning these two actors together at the center of movie is probably the best pairing of faces since the theatrical comedy and tragedy masks over the course of their careers, Studi and Dickey have been the kind of performers who can change the tonality of that classic supporting actor question from, who's that person, to who is that person? A sense of needing to know who they are if you care about movies. Of course, you'd recognize Wes Studi for his work in 90s classics like The Last of the Mohicans, Dances with Wolves, and Heat, more recently from Scott Cooper's Hostels. He's possibly the most notable Native American actor in Hollywood history. Then Dale Dickey, won an Independent Spirit Award in 2010 for an unforgettably hard-bitten performance in one of my favorite movies, Winter's Bone. She collaborated with Deborah Granick, that director, further on Leave No Trace, appeared memorably in Hell or High Water, Iron Man 3, and shows like Justified. Dale, just like Wes, has one of those unique visages, and I would talk more about their faces right now if I didn't end up asking them about what it's like to always have people talk about their faces. Wes gets me pretty good at that point of the interview, I will say, and you need to hear Dale talk about what it's like to have writers constantly describe her features. So they've got well over 200 acting credits between them, but a love song asks Wes Studi and Dale Dickey to do something they've rarely, if ever, done on screen. Be tender, be romantic, be totally vulnerable, and even kiss. They're playing a pair of widowers who reunite after decades at a desolate but idyllic southern Colorado campsite. And there, these two actors, who are usually cast for their scowls and their gravitas, are basically treated like, like teenagers, wondering, did we have something all those years ago in Max Walker Silverman's debut movie? He wrote the parts specifically for them and afforded these celebrated veterans a chance to do something that they've really never done. Before I finish this intro, I should tell you that Be Real is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, where you can find such fine programs as Bingeworthy, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse, the Playlist Podcast, and more. You can find that feed wherever you get your shows, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, etc. And hey, we always appreciate uh, a kind rating so we can make more shows like this possible. So in the conversation ahead, I, of course, talked to Wes and Dale all about A Love Song, which is a film that I found very charming, quite well-observed, um, you know, a melancholic little ode to reopening your spirit, even though you think maybe you've had all the love that life has to offer. It's chock full of dusty, wonderful country tunes and enlivened by some playful cinematography that certainly owes to Wes Anderson, but without distracting from the naturalism of which... Dickie and Studi are tremendously capable. We also talk about what typecasting means to these actors now decades into their careers, 
West dishes a little on Michael Mann movies and Reservation Dogs. Dickie talks about Winter's Bone and the new League of Their Own TV show. And the last thing I should tell you is that when this interview started, I hopped on the Zoom call and they were both wearing sunglasses for some reason. It was clearly a joke, but one that they were enjoying quite a bit, as you'll hear. I'm so happy to share this one. Here's Wes Duty and Dale Dickey. Well, I'm meeting someone here. Supposed to be. (laughs) And who is this someone? I don't know, really. I mean, I knew him as a kid. Not even sure what he looks like anymore. I can't see with my shades on. I can't at all. That's crazy. No, I'm not cool enough. Hi, Chance. It's all about the image, Dale. Come on. Let's put him on. <laughs> oh, hello, Hollywood. Yeah. Sorry. The two most Hollywood <laughs> actors that I... No, I, I don't. I don't no. think of that as true um, <laughs> whatsoever. Um, so I, w- I was cross-referencing your your large filmographies, and I you guys have appeared in a, in the same movie before, being Flynn in 2012. I don't think you had any scenes together, um, but it left me wondering: when did you each become aware of the other as an actor? You know, that's odd that you mentioned being Flynn. I think we talked about this one day, Wes, on set briefly. I saw being Flynn on TV just yesterday. And it was all of your scenes. It's the captain, right? And we both, it was such, I was so excited to get to work with De Niro. I didn't care how small the role was, but we did not meet there. I first became aware of Wes in Last of the Mohicans, which he terrified me. And and I, I you know, that was filmed in my neck of the woods. I grew up there, but, uh, and, and of course, Dances with Wolves. So I was thrilled when I heard he was coming on board. I thought it was a great, a great match. Really happy to get to know him. He's a beautiful human being, Wes. Oh, uh, um, okay, I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, uh, no, Winter's Bone, yes, Winter's Bone. And then, uh, and then we actually met uh, in, was it 20 or 19? 20, we did? right? Uh, in 2020? Oh, when we yeah. did the film. When we actually met. Yeah, yeah, we met when we did the film in the summer of 2020, first time. 2020. And yeah. we had to live together in a farmhouse. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. She got upstairs, I had downstairs. Because we were in, in bubbles. We were isolated. So we watched, luckily we had the same political views. So we'd watch the news and scream at the TV and uh, things like that. Yeah. That sounds like an interesting way to unwind after a day of shooting. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is it? Did I read right that director um, Max uh, Walker Silverman did, did he write these roles specifically with you guys in mind? That's what he tells us. <laughs> and how how common or uncommon has that been throughout your career? It's become more common later in the career, uh, but uh, it's wonderful, you know, to to hear that someone had you in mind while they're doing it. Of course, uh, um, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I'm speechless. Yeah. yeah, he um I don't think it's happened much in my career. It's happened uh, in theater work. I there's a playwright I work with a lot in LA that's written a couple of roles for me. Um usually very trashy, mouthy people like I usually play. Um but yeah, it's lovely. I think it's mostly younger filmmakers I get a 
my agent or I will get a letter or a note saying if Dale has time at doing this script and you know young kids coming out of school and they're passionate and they've got great stories to tell and um, I like to be a part of that. I wonder if you found it surprising at all because like one of the things that I'm sure you guys have talked about with other journalists and, and that I want to know about is the the two of you being cast as, as romantic leads and romantic leads with a lot of vulnerability is is not something that's happened a ton in your career. When you read the script, were you was there any element of like, what well, you wrote this with me in mind? This isn't something that I have been asked to do a lot. Uh, the part about asked to do a lot is what ha- had much more of an effect on me in wanting to do it. Yeah, because it was a different kind of uh, role as well as it involved a romantic relationship. It, uh, I, had, uh, I don't have that on film in my reel, you know. I don't have that, but now I do. And I, I think that um, it was very flattering that Max wrote this for me, and then I found out about Wes, and I think Max took a chance, the fact that he admired both of our work, but he also had in the back of his mind, why haven't they done lead roles in this kind of light? You don't see middle-aged, weathered faces like ours in, in this type of um, atmosphere. So I, I think it's a lovely departure and um, a wonderful opportunity for both of us to play kinder, gentler versions of ourselves um, than what we've gotten to do in the past, even though I've loved those gritty roles. Um, you know, this was a challenge. Is it true that, that neither of you had, had had an on-screen kiss before, that this was a first? I'd have to clarify in that I had had one for television. Okay. Never, but film. never a film. No. And, okay. and I, I have to clarify, I, <laughs> I I had a sloppy drunken kiss in a film, which didn't matter, a drunk bar scene. And then I had an inappropriate kiss with my son on another movie. So those don't count. This was my first romantic okay. kiss. <laughs> and who better than Mr. Studi? Oh, <laughs> So first genuine, unproblematic, on-film kiss. We can say that. <laughs> what a night. <laughs> Did you guys ever have any conversations about that on set of like, or just leading up to shooting that scene of like, we never, we don't hardly do this as actors. No, we're way too awkward to do that. No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think it was just general knowledge. We, we knew and Max knew and, uh, but that made it spontaneous and, and beautiful and real. There is a certain, you know, beautiful awkwardness to these characters of Faye and Leto. It's, it's it's really intriguing as an audience member to get to to see people in their sixties and seventies kind of playing or replaying the the nervousness of of puppy love. And, and I wondered how how did you guys think about um, acting out sort of the weight of that personal history that's on both of these characters? Oh, Dale. Oh, I knew you'd do that. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't remember. I know I've said this before, but Wes and I did make the decision to not discuss too much the script that we had together because we wanted there to be this authenticity and this awkwardness. We knew what our history was, um, so we just got to know each other. And then on set, uh, 
Yeah, it does feel it, it's butterflies in your stomach. If you've, you know, you've lost someone and you've been grieving and you you have this hope in your heart that maybe you can rekindle and find a connection. And uh, so it's, it's just full of young giddiness, you know, as, as Wes has said before, we don't stop having those desires and those needs, even though we get older, um, you know, it's, there's still passion there. So, uh, yeah. And that's the uh, that's the uh, hopeful aspect of our story is that uh, yeah these things uh, continue to go on and we continue to be very human about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I I found myself wondering about kind of the you guys both do some like great kind of nervous hand acting. I, th- I think when, when Leto shows up, Dale, you're you're kind of like scratching your palms a little bit, and and, and Wes, there's a moment where. Um, uh, Lito's, you know, putting the flowers on the table and, and, and heading toward his car where you kind of, your character kind of reflexively rubs hands over where like a wedding ring might be. And I, and I wondered if that was something that was in the script or if that was just kind of body language in the moment. No, that's what I'm doing right now under the desk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just live your day-to-day life in very telling symbolic body language, huh? <laughs> Yeah, it's just that uh, most of the time nobody's watching. Sure. <laughs> I noticed it was one thing that bothered me in, in in when I first saw the rough cut of the film is when Leto gives me those flowers and there's that awkward moment where I'm like, say something, say something. Oh, yeah, the hill. Let's talk about that. But those flowers are moving. And I'm like, Dale, stop your hands. Why are they moving? Why? It's like that was a, a thing I was not conscious of. It was just oh. the nervousness in the moment of I have these beautiful flowers. I don't know what to say. Those kinds of things that you're not aware you're doing, but that just come out in the moment. And mm-hmm. I trusted that Max would calm those down if they if they got a little too out of hand. Sure. Um Speaking of of conscious choices, Dale, I wanted to ask you, a, a lot of the movie, you know, um, especially like before Leto arrives um, at the campsite, it's just a lot of kind of close-ups held wordless on, on you and um, a lot of kind of wondering like, what's Faith thinking about? Um, where is she at with this kind of waiting process? And I wonder as, as an actor, how how much are you thinking of like what she feeling, what she thinking in this moment? Or are you just kind of working through kind of like the, the tactile experience of her fishing and eating and reading? Um, yeah. It's a great question. I, I love to see the whole picture, of course, knowing the main aspects of where she's coming from and why she's here and uh, the uncertainty of it all. Um, and, but I know Max talked a lot about one of the things that Faye has it, it, it sort of taken over her life it, it is this banal routine that she has. That's her way of dealing. You know, it takes energy to get out of the bed, walk out the trailer. But if she keeps that routine every day, she can get through the day. So it's the routine that keeps her going. And, and you know, she's hopeful and she's in this beautiful place that she had been many years ago. Um, but the constant waiting, uh, that it was hard. The first week of filming was just me. We got most of that stuff out of the way and then the other actors all came in, but I was like, and I'm sure the crew was too. It's like, I am really tired of myself. I really mm-hmm. want someone else to play with now because Faye is getting boring for Dale. <laughs> um, but it was lovely to 
to just have that quiet and that solitude and um, experience that and, and try to make it real. And just try to tell the story and focus on where Faye's been and what she's doing. And uh, I, Faye is very disciplined and routine oriented and Dale is not. So uh, Max was helpful with guiding me with the physicality and things like that. As you can see, I'm very animated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Faye is not. <laughs> um, what was it like for you guys to to play some music together? Um, Wes, I, I know that you are a musician and, and have the band, um, but what was it like to do it in the context of this movie? Uh, I think it was very freeing, to tell the truth, and get a, a sort of a moment away from... Uh, uh, <clears throat> thinking in terms of, uh, uh, I'm really nervous about uh, talking with my old friend here, and then I'm also having these uh, uh, flashes of thoughts about uh, being more intimate with her or something, but whatever develops, getting away from that and just being able to sit down and sing a song, which is, uh, you know, a very healing thing many times uh, for people. Mm-hmm. It is, and the, and the music is the heartbeat of the movie. So I had said earlier, it was a, it's a joyous time. It was a joyous time for me, just because I was so nervous. And 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 Wes had taught me a few ways to cheat chords, but I love to sing. And I, I think they just let the camera roll, and we did it. And it's the first time they sort of have this joy and this connection where <laughs> they can speak through the music and not each other's awkward words. Right, mm-hmm. and don't have to recite so much history can kind of be in the moment. Um, wait, so Wes, you, you gave a little bit of a of a guitar tutorial? Uh, I, well, Dale actually knew where where, uh, where the uh, frets were. And <laughs> I knew that frets, much. You know, so uh, it was a matter of uh, uh, having a guitar that was really, you know, well-sized for her hands was uh, one, one problem we had. But uh, um, otherwise... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I just strummed as hard as I could, <laughs> and, we, and off we went. You know, you, it, playing the guitar takes practice, and and some of a couple of the chords, the switching to the chords, I could not do quickly enough. So Wes just taught me a little way to cheat it, so I I could feel it, and it still kept us on pitch. I think. Now I'm going to yeah. start playing guitar. I'm using bar chords. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, Wes, your playing appeared very well practiced, sir. It was it was impressive. Um, even even the way in which your character kind of messed up at the beginning, I was like, I don't know if I believe he's mess- messing up. I this seems like someone who knows how to play guitar. <laughs> he's a good actor, huh? Oh, yes. Uh, no. Okay, you uh, are. It's true. It's true. Um, I I wanted to ask you both, and we, we touched on this a little bit, but. You know, I, I've going back decades. You know, reading interviews, I can I can read you both talking about kind of battling typecasting and the kind of roles that you that you don't want to do. And and I wonder when you read when you reach like this stage of your careers, whether your relationship to to that notion is any different. I mean, are are you, do you still turn down the same brand of stuff that you didn't want to do twenty years ago? Um, do people come to you with more interesting work because you've spent all this time fighting for interesting work. What, what's it? What's it like for you? Um, I think I, I think of uh, 
being typecast in two different ways. And one is very good, you know, that you find you've made an impression on the business industry itself in that you can do this particular thing. And then uh, there are uh, people who say they want a West duty type, right? Okay, that's one way to look at it. Uh, but then if if you look at it in terms of okay, this is all I'm ever going to do because that's all I know how to do, uh, then it, it's not so great that way, right? But uh, it's something that all actors have to deal with in one way or another. And uh, hopefully uh, most of us get to do far, far, far more ranging kind of uh, roles uh, as we go through life. You know, it's that's what's satisfying about uh, doing the world of acting. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. And um, I've, I've sort of been a journeyman actor, a worker bee actor my whole life. So it, it, it hasn't necessarily been the luxury of turning roles down. It's like the when the work comes, I need it, you know. Uh, you, generally, I need it and I need to take the job. And when I get a really cool script that... Uh, is something different. I always want to try to do it. I like to read everything. Um, but typecasting, you know, I learned early on, it's it's what casting directors want to see. They want to see what you do better than anyone else. And so what this face represents and my Southern sensibilities or whatever uh, tended to be that. So that, that was my calling card. It pays my bills. Um, sure, I'd love to keep expanding and, and, and do more roles, but um, I just want to keep working with good people and telling good stories that sounds so cliche but it's just the truth i, I i'm i'm interested because i i feel like people are always writing about how you both have such have such wonderful faces wes I, I was watching the the speech that christian bale gave when he was presenting you um with an oscar um some years ago and he start even started out being like West Judy's face is, is is just amazing, and and both of yours are. I wonder, is, is that weird to to hear? Is it weird to hear people talk about, or are you guys like that's that's my instrument as an actor? I'm fine being complimented on having having these features. No, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad I could play into that just now. <laughs> my my favorite thing is that is uh, that all the reviewers in the beginning were all trying to find sort of delicate, polite ways to say, she's wrinkled as shit. But they found, <laughs> they would find these beautifuls like wondrously weathered or gloriously grooved. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is the map of my life. This is, you know, what I have. And, uh, but it, it does feel good. <laughs> It does feel good to um, be seen in a different light, no matter how uh, wrinkled my face is. Dale, I feel like you hit upon a real writer crutch of just using alliteration to describe. Um, we just throw an adjective of the same letter in front right. of you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, speaking of this being kind of, you know, what, what we'll say, I can't remember what I said earlier, but the first genuine on film kiss that you guys have, have, have ever acted. Is there anything else on, on kind of on that, on that bucket list as you think about like roles that excite you at this stage in your career? Is there anything else that you're just like, I've never gotten to do that in a film and I would like to. 
I, 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 I have several. I really like horseback riding and I love Westerns. So I, I'd really like to ride on or have a fierce horse scene. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I really had not played many quiet, gentler characters. So this was a great departure for me. And, and I enjoy that in playing those more introspective, silent, like Holly Hunter in the piano who never says a word, but captivating. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'll have to make out a new bucket list now. <laughs> yeah, I think what I want to do now is more comedic roles. Mm. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to make people laugh. It's it's something that I've had all my life is to make people laugh. But uh, my career has uh, uh, not moved in that direction very much, and uh, that's it's just something I'd like to explore. I love that. And I, I would actually love to, to parlay that into talking about a, a couple other roles that you guys have played as we kind of turn toward toward an ending here. And, and, and Wes, um, you, you, your character in Reservation Dogs did make me laugh a few times with, uh, in, in, in season one. And I know we got season two coming out here very shortly. What does being a part of, of that show mean to you, considering that it's set in a Native community and also in Oklahoma, where you're from? Oh well, that's a, a real uh, that's a, that's a real biggie for me it, because this is something that many of us have been working toward is getting more and more natives involved in uh, in the process of uh, uh, filmmaking and television uh, work, it, and and it's a matter of all so many of us in the business over the years since I started, have always talked about telling our own stories in a way that they it made a difference. And now we have young people who are totally capable of doing so. And uh, it, it's just a really big payoff. And uh, for me, it's, a, it's an opportunity to sort of be joyous in the fact that these guys are doing this and and that they were paying attention in the 30 years that so many of us were talking about telling our own stories, if you will. And uh, that's what's happening now. And uh, for me, I would do it, uh, you know, in a New York minute uh, to be a part of, especially where like Reservation Dogs is done right now. That's my home territory. You know, that's where I come from. <laughs> so it's... Uh, yeah, I just had to be a part of it one way or another, you know. Yeah. That's great. It's a terrific show. And it's going to go on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Dale, I was going to ask you, I got a, a chance to talk to um, Deborah Granick a few years back when, uh, when Leave No Trace came out. Um, and I, she had such wonderful things to say about, about you and, and just kind of how credible and natural you are in those in the the spaces that she likes to make movies, those outdoor, those outdoor spaces. Um, and, and I wondered, um, what's a, from an actor's perspective, what's distinctive about working with Deborah? Deborah is so immersed in the story she's telling. You know, she went down to Missouri and spent several months and works with a small crew. She, Max reminded me a lot of her. They're both gentle extremely bright, very cerebral, and they have a, a gentle way of talking and uh, exploring things. You know, Deborah would often, we, we, st we stayed on script pretty much, but often it would be, okay, just now in your own words, how are you gonna get her off the property? 
So we would play around, but for the most part, it was the script. And Jennifer Lawrence won that improv, by the way. I couldn't get the damn bitch to leave. But um, <laughs> so kudos to her. Uh, I finally gave up and said, don't make me come out here again. And I slammed the door. <laughs> but uh, Deborah just, she she's so passionate about telling these stories of people off the margin. So like Max is people that aren't normally seen on screen stories that are told and and she loves to include real people in that in the world and sort of building the environment. Um, I'd work with her in a heartbeat too, just like I would with, with Max again. I think they're Deborah's extraordinary. Extraordinary. That's great. I, I'm going to ping pong back and forth one more time. Uh, Wes, I have to ask you a Michael Mann question, um, considering the two incredible films that you've, that you've done with him. Um, he is known for being super intense, super fastidious. You tell the great story about calling him and kind of j- joking, but pressing your way into the role in Heat um, and actually making him laugh, um, which is a rarity, you said. But I just wonder, what's the, what's the temperature of a Michael Mann set like? Temperature varies from uh, 78 to 104. <laughs> somehow, somehow I knew. Somehow I knew you would do that. How about the mood? What's the vibe of a Michael Mann set like? I'll rephrase. Uh, well, it really depends on how well things are going. Mm. You know, let me put it this way. Uh, and I, hopefully I'm not talking out of school here. But, you know, in uh, Last of the Mohicans, uh, Michael was not able to control everything that happens because it's outdoors. There's wind, there's rain, there's sun, there's shade. There's so many things that have to be controlled in order to get the shot that you want. Um, And so uh, there are animals you have to deal with. There are so many uh, variables when you're working out in uh, a location like that, as opposed to uh, the location of heat in terms of uh, how much more control you have in how the shot looks, how watered down, how stylistic the look is. It's so much easier to control in an urban area or indoors, you know, or on a soundstage. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> I think I think uh, that, uh, yeah, those, those things really make a difference in terms of how the shooting day goes Mm -hmm. okay so maybe some more some more nerves some more um anxiety on the mohican set because of how much was out of control um that that's that's the way i would see it in terms of being the crew sure um (laughs) Yeah, I, I think the crew has a much harder time on a Michael film, Michael Mann film than actors do. Mm. He he can be wonderful to actors, uh, but the 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 conditions that crews have to work under can be extremely uh, vexing. I think uh, with very little sleep. <laughs> You're funny, Wes. You need to do more comedy. Are you saying I'm funny? I think <laughs> funny. Uh, I'd say or... that. Uh, I'd say that. Uh. Um, and then uh, Dale, I'm super excited for the for the League of Their Own show that that's coming yeah. out. Um, can you? It looks like just such a kind of jubilant, well cast spinoff, um, and I'm I'm really excited to check it out. Uh, can you tell me a bit about what uh, what that was like to make? Yeah, uh, 
it, it was such fun to do. We filmed in Pittsburgh for three months. Uh, very challenging as well, filming a baseball film, baseball show in the third rainiest city in the country. But we, oh. we, we muddled through. The girls are great. I play their chaperone who was always with them. So I'm like almost in every scene, a lot of the times just in the background. But the chaperone was their be, be all and end all person they went to. And I would not want to chaperone those girls in real life but it was a joy to do so on set. <laughs> but really the, the, the group of 10, eight to 10 girls, they're, they're all brilliantly wonderful. And um, I think it's really well written and they've expanded the story to include a lot of other social and sexual issues at the time and a lot of baseball. So I, I, I think people are really gonna get a kick out of it. I, I certainly hope so. It's an That's important great. story, yeah. Well, hey, I, I thank you both very much. Um, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot. I was so excited to talk to you, and thanks for entertaining my questions about the other kind of avenues of your career, and um, really appreciate it. It was an honor. You too, Chance. Thank you. I'm having her in my arms. Come on. Be I hadn't known love before. Can't you see? Just so simple. Realize what all the songs were about.